All right, Tana, let's tell them about our game day BOGO deal. Mm-hmm. That's your line. You're, I'll read it, I guess. Paisanos is bringing it big time every Sunday. Go ahead, Tana. Tana, that's your... You can buy any large pizza and get a second pizza for free. Tell them, Tana. Uh, use the online code BOGO Pizza on the app or online. And then what can they do with the second pizza, Tana? Second pizza's free with equal or lesser value. I'm. Can I have? I'm going to eat. I don't care. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. I'm so all over my own. It's the same show. Home of the new ball. Number 89. Hustle all the time. Travis on the right. Hot mic on the left. Every single week is a lyrical fact. Santana Moss Show. What's up, Papi? I'm good, man. Travis Thomas, Santana Moss. This is the post-draft edition. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to throw you for a loop, though. You're about to get mad at me. Just be prepared. Don't do it. I'm scrapping the whole show we had planned. We were going to get into the Redskins draft and everyone else, every other player that went to every team. You can get that anywhere. You can break that down anywhere. I want to actually... Because talking to you before the show off camera, man, you were dropping some dimes about the behind the scenes aspect of an NFL draft. And I jotted this down, Tana. This is where I'm throwing you for a loop. You gave me three things, really, in talking to me that I wrote down. I called the three pillars mm. of the NFL draft. Tana talked about the draft from his perspective as a player. That's a pillar. But then Tana told an interesting story about how a team for lack of a better word, sabotaged you, hoping you would fall to them. So that's another pillar, the team aspect. And then you talked about Drew Rosenhaus and how some guys didn't have agents and didn't get a shot. So I thought, oh, well, the draft also you could look at from an agent perspective. So we're going to go with that if you're cool with it, the three pillars of the draft. Because to me, this is the kind of stuff that makes your show so unique, is that you can tell these stories from your perspective. So I want to start with the player perspective. When you were getting drafted, you were told leading up all week, all subsequent months, really, leading up to the draft, two teams were interested in you. The Redskins and was it the Dolphins? I knew for a fact it was the Redskins. You knew the Redskins at 15. Yes. Being that I was a Miami guy from the University of Miami, for some odd reason, the Dolphins was always in that, you know, fans saying if you don't pick from home, if you right. don't get a guy, if you don't get a hurricane, you're not giving yourself a chance to win. So you All were the on guys, their radar from that? I was on their radar okay. just because of, you know, before then they picked the receiver that went to them. And I didn't want to go to the Dolphins for a lot of reasons. But one, why? One, that I didn't want to be home. I wanted to finally say, okay, I can leave the coop. You know what I mean? I can finally be that pigeon and find my way out. Two, it was a serial pick before from the Dolphins that panned out well on the cottage level at University of Miami that went and blew his knee. Mm. And I was like, I don't want to be second to him going to the Dolphins and catching that bad luck and, you know, having something like that happen to me. It's crazy that I end up hurting my knee that first year anyway, regardless going to the right. Jets. So the whole time leading up to the draft, I talked to straight Washington folks. It was odd because, like I told you before, I'm so superstitious with yeah. how I do things. I never wanted to let that thing sit and say, well, this is where I'm going. Everyone's saying I'm going here. I heard so much from my agent, from guys before me, like, man, it's so much goes on. Draft day itself, if someone doesn't get picked in the slot 
teams change their format or change who they have in those slots and go out to other guys. So I never let it sink in and say that. That it was a done deal. I never let it be saying that, hey, I'm going to put all my marbles in this one basket that, hey, let's get ready and get prepared to be, you know, Washingtonians. Okay, so hold on a second. To be fair, in your year, I'm holding the draft order here. The Skins pick 15th. Mm -hmm. You ended up going 16 to the Jets. The Dolphins at that time picked at 26. So you would either have to drop or, which was more than likely, they would have to move up to come get you. But you had been hearing skin, skin, skin. The whole week, man. I mean, I remember I was at track meets. I was at the local high school track meets just sitting watching the regionals and, uh, you know, get ready for the states because I was so in tune in everything that was going on down in Miami. Like I said, I hadn't left. Right. So everything that I did prior to being a collegiate, I was always participating in all those same activities that led me to my college years, whether it was football games and then in off season track meets. You know, I was still in tune with both of those because I participated in both in college. We have some of the fastest, some of the best football and track athletes down there. So I've always made sure I found my way to Trash Pile Stadium, checking out the latest talent that's going to be leaving high school. And I remember being at those high school track meets at the time and numerous calls coming in from Washington. You know, hey, want to have an interview with you because, you know, it's four days left. Wow. Five days left. It's like a countdown. You name it. They count down how we count down a week ago, and they're telling us, like, well, hey, everyone has that Redskins, Dan Snyder's very high on you, and they want, you know, that Miami talent. What do you feel about it? And I remember those conversations, man, vividly. And I remember sitting there saying, well, man, it's great just to be able to be in the situation I am now today because I recall being that guy from high school that didn't even know I was going to get a chance to play on a college level. The way I got myself in the door of walking on through a track scholarship, not having those elite schools to want to take a chance after me, had a few, but not the ones that you would want, especially from my hometown or my home state. And now to be sitting in a seat where I didn't have to do a senior bowl, I didn't have to do all this stuff, I didn't have to perform at the Combine. I did it at my own pro day. And now to be sitting in a seat where, you know what, at five, nine and a half or 5'10", I can be one of those first receivers called come draft day. I'm really glad you asked me to host the show when you did because Santana is so gosh darn humble. I want to talk that for you for a second. I look at the draft class at wide receivers your year. Mm -hmm. I'm old enough. I watched all these cats play. And even before them, I've been watching college football forever. David Terrell went eighth overall. Yeah. Corin Robinson went ninth. Rod Gardner <laughs> from Clemson went to the Skins, the pick before you. Santana Moss will not say it. I will gladly say it with my chest out. David Terrell, Corin Robinson, nor Rod Gardner could hold your jock. How does that happen? You know, like you hear so much leading up to the draft, man, it's so many different reasons why teams are going to select guys in front of you. One of the things you can always rest assured when it came down to those Miami guys, me or Reggie, We was going to pan out because we came up in a pro system. The University of Miami groomed us to be pro athletes. Regardless of what position you played, it was a pro system. We had a pro head coach in Butch Davis. Everybody panned out because the University of Miami history and our tradition was to groom those type of athletes, guys that's going to make it on this level as well as we did on the college level. Me and Reggie shared the ball, not with just each other, but with our tight ends, the running backs. Regardless of what numbers other guys put out, Regardless of how tall they were, regardless of the competition level of who they played against, we was up there. (laughs) You know, we was up there. The only thing that you can probably put in front of us when it came down to singling us out as far as who should go whatever pick. Size, maybe? Size or what did they do at Combine or Pro Day. Oh, right. And when it came down to it, 
the only thing that hurt me was size because I right. outperformed everybody. Me and Reggie both outperformed everybody when it came pro days right. and combines. What we did on our pro day was second to none. My 40, <sighs> my catches, my route running, everything they assigned us to do, it was second to none. And like I said before, what guys do in those months leading up to draft, we was doing from that first year we stepped on the University of Miami campus. Right. We was being groomed to be pros. I know you don't like doing this, but we got to have it. When Gardner goes a pick before you to the team that told you they were going to pick you, Tanner, you had to be pissed off. Not really, because honestly, I'm like that guy that don't know better. I don't know. And that's just why I never put my marbles into that basket saying this is where it's going to go. All I heard leading up to the draft, you never know what's going to happen. So just be ready for anything. Even when it came down to my agent, my agent told me this thing can go up or down. Right. Previously, before we even get to having those countdowns to where it's almost time for that to go on, I had front page from my local hometown team, the Miami Dolphins, that had just said it had never been a receiver at my statue picked high in the first round. So already the Dolphins threw a log in a road for me to have to go over, go around, or try to go through to say, well, now you just put a wrench in everything that I had planned because now teams are going to take what you're saying and say that is true. You know what I mean? Why should we pick a guy at 5'9 slash 5'10 to be our go-to guy as a receiver in the league at the point or time where most of the bigger receivers was being taken? Yeah, but they picked at 26. Was that so you would drop? And it was all the reason because they wanted me. I was number one on their list. And they wanted to say, okay, we throw a monkey wrench into his whole thing. Maybe he falls to us. It was crazy because my agent was flabbergasted by it. I was like looking at them like, damn, this is a team that my dad tried so hard for me to, you know, root for. And now look what they're doing to try to get me. I don't want to go to them anyway. So hopefully this thing can get handled. And my agent hollered at them. And then they say, oh, that was a mistake. We don't know who put it out. Back page news. <laughs> Five wow. days, six days later, next week news, they put in the back page. So that was a mistake by us. Because if you think about it, think earlier, probably a year or two before that, it was a guy that came out from Louisiana Tech that uh, played for the Pittsburgh Steelers Mm -hmm. that caught crazy numbers. My stature, or smaller, that had been taken. And then you think about it, Peter Ward, all those guys had had been taken. So, you know, it's a lot of guys that of my stature that had been taken in the first round, and it was another team that's just trying to find a way to get me to fall in their lap. Okay, so then that brings us to the second pillar, which is how teams, I don't want to use the word sabotage because it's not always that. They can sabotage you, so you drop, but they can also which I think the casual fan sees more of smokescreen and yeah. say, oh, we're not going to take that it's guy. A, it's a pretty good strategy. It's all business. If you think about it. You can't sit here and get your mind wrapped around like, oh, this team is trying to screw things up for me. No, it's business because wow. at the end of the day, they know you're going to get drafted. You got to understand, these teams have what? Some of them have a majority of picks from seven to nine picks. And you're trying to get top-tier talent the cheapest you can get it. You know what I mean? It's so much other things you have to go on when it comes to free agency, guys you want to pay on other teams, guys you're going to probably end up landing on your team for us who didn't get drafted. So if I'm a team, I'm a GM, or I'm an owner, I would try to go out to that talent and get them for cheap too. But it's not always necessary to go at it the way some teams do. In my case, when you look at the Miami Dolphins in 2001, the way they tried to handle things with me, why try to belittle me or lower what I've worked so hard value, for? You know right? what I mean? I yeah. worked so hard to get to where I'm at right now. I was privileged enough to not have to go out there and do anything other than what I did at my pro day right? and still put up the numbers or still put up the film for you guys to say, well, damn, you know, what he did every weekend 
is evident. He didn't come out here and leave us with no thought in our mind that he couldn't do that on the next level. Now, what I find it odd to sit in this seat and talk about now, because if you look now, prior from 2001, Mm-hmm. It was a shoe-in for guys my size after me and Steve Smith did what we did those years, our rookie contracts. It was a shoe-in. Smith went second round in your draft? Smith went second or third round. I'm not sure. Damn, Steve Smith went yeah, he that went third late? Round. He went third round. Oh, that's crazy, bro. But it was a shoe-in because if you think, the Dolphins end up getting a Ted Ginn, which probably was a little taller, but yeah. didn't have the kind of college career that I had. No, he didn't. You know what I'm saying? But he was known for his speed. He was known for his punt return ability, kick return ability. So... Every guy that came in after the 2001 draft Mm -hmm. as a receiver or a specialist in that category of returning punts and kickoffs, they didn't care about the size no more because under that rookie contract, those three to four years, guys like myself, Steve Smith, Steve Smith went to a Pro Bowl his first year of being a third-round pick off of just (laughs) kick returns alone, you know, the things that he did. So us little guys kind of had put a stamp on the game and said, hey, man, you can't overlook the size factor of us Coming in now, you can't put that as an asterisk by our name because of our height and say, right. well, they don't deserve to go higher because of their size because now we're showing you that we can do what we big guys ball. do. You know? So I mentioned David Terrell before you, Corin Robinson before you, Rod Gardner before you. After you, Freddie Mitchell, remember mm-hmm. him? UCLA went to the Eagles. Reggie Wayne, your friend. We know the rest of that story. Quincy Morgan, I don't remember. Chad Johnson, of course, we all know Ocho. He went in the second round. Crazy. Steve Smith, third round, you're right. It's crazy because situations pretty much handicap the player. And me and Reggie talk about this so much. You know, Reggie was pissed off where he landed at. Because he dropped. In the first round. And I don't think he dropped. I think he actually moved up because some teams had him going second round because of whatever. I don't know if it was because of me being the guy that they end up leaning on for the big plays. Yeah. But like I tell guys all the time, Reggie was our guy. Yeah, Reggie went 30th. In the, Reggie in was the first our guy. Round. And, you know, he had to have a knee surgery, but bounced back off of that our junior year like nothing happened to him. And junior and our senior year. And so, with all that said, sharing the ball with Reggie taught me a lot. And it actually mm-hmm. helped me be a great pro because you couldn't be selfish. Mm-hmm. I came into it not being selfish because I came from a place in Miami, in Carroll City, where, you know, Coach Walt Frazier didn't care who you were. He wasn't throwing you the ball unless he saw fit. A lot of the times where guys land at, he's either going to help them mm-hmm. or hide them from what their true potential so is. So while he be. was ticked off that he went so late, it was a perfect situation. Worked out for him. Worked out for him. And it worked out for him. Yeah, and, that's true. And like I said before, who knows what would have happened with a David Terrell landing somewhere else other than Chicago. You know, I think Corin Robinson had a great spot. It just things that he did off the field hurt him. Yeah. Uh, Rod Gardner, he was a great athlete. Rod Gardner reminds me of a guy, you know, Metcalf, you know, in the draft. Mm. You know, Rod Gardner has so much potential. Physical specimen. Who knows what would have happened if he goes somewhere else? Because he dealt with a lot of stuff that went on here That's in Washington true. that wasn't right. I end up having to have that same stuff that goes on in Washington, but... Just being the you know nature of the beast that I were, right. I dealt with it in college. I dealt with it in New York. So wow. you know, I was think I was built a little different to go out there and be able to handle it a little more. Hey, you got a different quarterback. I got to still go out there and do me. You know what I mean? So other guys are not always blessed to have that kind of mindset or ability to go out there and look over some of the stuff they got coming their way. At the end of the day, guys like myself, Reggie Wayne, you know, we was built to be able to go out there and perform on this level because we withstood all that through our college careers. Fifth round, Redskins took Darnarian McCants in your draft. Yeah. And then here's a name. My God. Seventh round pick, 
TJ Hushmanzada. You got to be kidding me. That guy had a great career. I want to go to the third pillar now. The agents. Yeah. You had the guy. You had Drew Rosenhaus. But you were telling me there were a lot of guys, and there is every year, that can play yeah. and can certainly play in the league, but because of their representation, because of their agent, or lack thereof in terms of star power or big-name power, they don't get a fair shake. That yeah. is so fascinating to me. If it's, a guy can play, he can play. What the hell does an agent have to do with it's it? It's crazy because one of the things that Drew gave us insight on before I even signed Drew, Drew was like, you don't need me right now. Early up until the time we had to work out and all that, mm-hmm. he always made himself present to know to my family, like, hey, I want your son. I want to represent your son. But you don't need me right now, so take your time. Me and my dad don't know the process, don't know what's going on, why he would say that. But this is Drew Rosenhaus. This is the, the guy. This is the guy. You know, it, amongst other guys, Lee Steinberg, sure. Poston Brothers, guys who was all courting me and wanting, you know, to be part in that uh, representation. Drew was like, hey, take your time. You don't need none of us right now because your son has set himself up to be a draft pick regardless and one of those first-round draft picks because of his career. We took that advice and kind of just said, hey, let me knock down you know, one domino at a time. Let me go ahead and do what I have to do first. I went to the combine. I weighed in. I got measured. Are you going to perform? No, I'm not going to perform. I'm going to wait till my pro day. And it was all the way up to my pro day that my dad was having interviews and stuff like that. So you're recording. Different agents were still in the picture. No everybody but... was in the picture. Everybody, that door was open huh. for everybody. And okay. my dad was sitting down with different folks. I remember that Super Bowl that year. Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore yeah, this was, Ravens yeah. beat the Giants, Giants in yep. the Super Bowl. Lee Steinberg at the time was trying to represent me and Reggie. And he flew us to Orlando, you know, wanting to show us all the guys he represented. Fun time in the Super Bowl. This has been our first time experiencing the Super Bowl, you know, atmosphere and all that stuff. And I remember saying to myself, man, Lee Steinberg has a lot of guys that I would want to be on the team with. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It was almost like trying to find that next team you want to be a part of. And tell you the truth, my dad didn't like Lee Steinberg. Not because of who he was as a man or what. My dad just wanted, when he talked to someone and when he interviewed him, that guy to be a man and look at him eye to eye. Oh, you did and, tell me this. He was like yeah. looking down the whole and time. And Lee Steinberg, he didn't have to give my dad no right. eye contact. However, he did things, he did them. But he didn't show my dad the appreciation that oh. he wanted to see of him representing his respect, son. yeah. And my dad's like one of those guys. It, it reminds me of old T.I. saying, you know, you don't have to like me, just disrespect me. Right. And at the end of the day, my dad was like, well, sh- clearly you like my son. Yeah. But show me the respect that you in here sitting with me, his dad, to show me the same respect that you have of my son. Your dad took it as you to him would just be another athlete. Yeah, exactly. He wouldn't care. Another guy on your doggone list ah. of athletes that at the end of the day, wherever he lands, he lands. He right. wanted to see that agent that was going to say, hey, yeah, your son has set himself up well, but this is what I can do. Right. This is what I'm going to bring to the table. I, I think that's that. where Drew kind of fell into our lap because for day one, Drew Rosenhaus said, one day I'm going to represent your son. Mm-hmm. Saw, my, saw my dad one day, you know, coming to a Kang's practice. And he's like, hey, I like what your son doing. One day I'm going to represent him. My dad was like, you know, being a Miami guy, he and Brock Drew Rosenhaus, he was always talking sports on Channel 7 at night. And we just sit there and I'm like, man, my dad said, hey, man, you want You know, Drew Rosenhaus saw me today, man. He spoke to me and said he loved what you're doing and one day he can represent you. And to me as a youngster in college, I'm like, I'm geeked about that. Wow. Because I know he has the best of the best. Sure. So I'm waiting for that day. Like, man, if he see it in me already, I know I'm on my way. So that only adds fuel to my, you know, fire to make me go out to continue to do what I'm doing cool. as a collegiate athlete. So all that behind me, and now we're interviewing these guys. And deep down inside, I want Drew Rosenhaus. 
That was your guy. I want Drew Rosenhaus, but I also like Lee Steinberg because the top tier guys. You mm-hmm. know, I think at the time Edrin had did some dealings with him. Edrin didn't have an agent at the time, but Lee was the agent that sat down and talked with Edrin's uh, lawyers. Mm-hmm. A lot of other guys he had, um, uh, Ricky Williams. I know he had did some dealings with a lot of guys that I was fans of. Mm-hmm. So when it came time for us, I'm like, man, he want me in Reggie, but this guy over here want me. You know. And when my dad sat down to talk with Drew, before he even got back to talk to me, he had already knew he wanted Drew. And Drew represented me well, not only from the advice he gave prior to leading up to things, but even after everything transpired with my pro day. Drew was the guy that was in the stance with my dad, even at the time not representing me. He wanted to sit side by side with my dad and say, hey, this is what he need to do next. This is what he shouldn't do. This is what he should do. And we took all that advice. It actually got me to where I was at to the point to where probably a week later my dad said, hey, who you like? He's like, I'm going to tell you who I do like and who I don't. And Drew was number one. He's like, I said, why? Wow. And he said, well, you already know all the hoopla that goes on with Drew Rosenhaus. Everybody seems to throw shade at him for whatever happened prior right. or previous in his career with other athletes, especially from the Miami Hurricanes. He said, well, Drew was the first person that when he sat down, it was the first thing he put on the table. This is what people say about me. He dealt with it head on. This is Woo! what they said. I, this is what they said I did, allegedly did, and this is what happened. Here's the facts. Boom, 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 boom. Now I'm going to tell you why I'm going to be best to represent your son. Wow. Because whatever they said I did, even if I did or not, these are the things I did do, positive and the negative. Right. And the one negative, he was like, I can't go back that road because I've dealt with that already. I've been down that road, and it can lead to me not even having this no more. Mm. Took away all that. So he said, so at the end of the day, I sued him best. One, because he already paid his way. He did what he had to do to be where he's at. What I come into the table is I'm going to be the guy that when a team tries to play with him, like they did already with the Dolphins, I'm going to show the other teams why he's worth that pick and why you should take a chance on him. Even when he gets picked and when they try to play with his numbers, I'm going to show and prove to them why the guys in front of him and what they've done, why he should be in the same category of those guys and what he can be someday if they go ahead and bank that he's going to be that guy worth that number. So beyond all that he said, he did it. Real talk. <laughs> if it wasn't for Drew Rosenhaus, you would have never been a Redskin. And that's the crazy part about it. So we talked about the kid, Lindsey, that yeah. was drafted. Oh, Philip Lindsey. A year ago, he was a free agent pickup. Yeah. He didn't get drafted. He didn't get drafted at all. This guy was ranked ninth. Overall, running backs his senior year at Colorado. 32 running backs was invited to the combine, and he wasn't one of them. How does – I don't understand how's that. How's that happen? So, like he said before, he's done all the hard work. He don't need an agent to go to the combine. Somebody did something wrong. Uh, so he don't go to the combine. Then he goes to his pro day and run a 4-3-9. <laughs> then he runs great drills. Regardless of how tall he is, how big he is, He's doing all that he has to do doing to everything set right. the table up for itself. When you do all that, now you need that representation to say, okay, regardless of what you've done, now he has to put that insurance in all those teams to say, hey, this is why this kid deserves to be on your team. Like Lindsey said, at least a seven-round pick, he felt that he should be. Mm-hmm. And it was teams that had told him and had talked to him, because draft day, you're going to talk to teams. Talk, They're going to yeah. call and talk to your representation because they ask for your number during the combine and all that stuff. 
and they're going to talk, hey, have anybody given you a holler? And see, that's where agents come in hand at because it's up to your agent. If your agent sit there and say, nah, we're just waiting, then that team's going to wait. That team's going to feel like, well, maybe we can wait to later to get this guy. That agent can drum up interest in you. The agent can play they behind like a damn puppet yeah. and say, yep. yeah. <laughs> Regardless of what you think or what someone is trying to do, right. lowball him. Right. Oh, I'm on the phone right now. Hold on. Right. Let me holler at these guys. For example, with Denver, he ended yeah. up with Denver. Up with Denver. You could be like, hey, I'm on the phone with the Raiders right now. All yeah. of a sudden, Denver's interested. So the agent has it. a big role because regardless of how much you've done in your career to right. put yourself in a situation, there's guys that haven't done nothing. Deadly squad. There's guys that do nothing in college and ran a great 40 and went first round. Good God. You know, the Raiders take a lot of those guys. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not it's trying true, to shade, but it, it happened. Facts. I saw it, a kid from Maryland. I'm not going to say his name because, you know, that's not the type of stuff I like to do. A receiver from Maryland, and I'm pretty sure you being the guy that you I are, like to do it. You will, you will bring it up. <laughs> but that guy did nothing in no, college. No, he didn't. And he was a first round pick. So yeah. for a guy to do what he's done on the level that he's done it and to go out there and show up on his pro day and then not get drafted, yeah. I find it odd. Then I think about it. That's where the agent comes That's in where the agent. at. Because oh, now he can be that guy, that spokesperson for you. Say, hey, are you forgetting what I have over here? Right. Are you forgetting what this guy has done? Are you forgetting that if you take a chance on this guy, he can be that running back for you and do some of the same thing? So beyond all the stuff that I went through and the way I set myself up, I found it great to have a guy like Drew because Drew was he was very handy when it came down to me getting picked at 16 because after going through what I went through with the Dolphins saying that maybe you shouldn't pick me high, I'm pretty sure teams took notice of that. When it came time when Rod Gardner ended up getting picked in my mm. my selection that supposedly I was supposed to go in, Drew was on the phone. Whatever team he was talking to, oh, if you don't take this guy now, oh, somebody else is going to get him. The Jets moved up to get me <laughs> That's cool. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Drew Rosenhaus. We need you on the show. That would be great. So now that I've taken you down to three pillars of the NFL draft and pretty much disregarded all the prep we did for the show, I would like to end it here. Tell me the draft day story. We know yours. Yeah. But you said your brother, shout outs to Sonoris. I love Nori. And we need you on the show, Nori. Come and on. we need you on the show. So you guys had different draft days. So we know yeah. yours. You were chill. You were with the fam, whatever. Drew was on the phones. But Nori, you said, did like kind of a big blowout party. Yeah, we right? had a party. I mean, it was different. You got to understand something. I'm just that kind of guy. I'm one of those dudes that, man, I don't want to ruin it. Right. At the end of the day, let me get into the door first before I go to celebrate. Where you pop bottles. Yeah. And I think when you look at Nori's situation, it was so different because, one, even though he got in the door to University of Miami, our high school careers was totally different. I won a state championship. I was the guy. Nori did some things. They didn't win a state title, but the University of Miami knew they was going to take a shot with him because of what I've done. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He was so a boss. He got in there. And then how his career panned out in college, he wasn't the guy. They say, well, he's going to be a talent. He had to grind it out. They ended up throwing him in there, not knowing if it was mistakenly or not, and he showed up mm -hmm. junior year. And I'm like, look, that's going to take you, you know, to where you're trying to go. And truth be told, he was every week making a play. So our careers was different in high school. Our careers was different in college. The thing that helped Sonora so much was in 2005, the things that I did here in Washington, I had just got traded here, and Nora was a senior at University of Miami. It was a weekend. It was a Saturday. He ran a, a slip screen back for 80-something yards. Mm. That Sunday, I ran the same exact play, <laughs> you know, against Kansas City for the same yards. So every week, he would do something. I would do something. So it was almost like I was helping his status. 
capping everything he did because now you got a guy that's much shorter than me, my brother, but with the same build. And they saying if Santana Moss is doing it, Sonoris could do the same thing. He went to the went so, to the Giants, didn't he? He went to the Giants. Y'all both ended up in New York. Before that, he went to the Senior Bowl, which I didn't have to go to. He was on the losing team of the Senior Bowl, but was the MVP wow. of the Senior Bowl. And then you think about it, he ran at the combine and blew his quad. So it's crazy how crazy things happen, but I ran at Pro Day at University of Miami and pulled my hamstring on my last 40, but that last 40 was, it was you know. It, it was a wrap. It was a wrap. So it's he just crazy how he blew his quad, and I think he still ran like 4.35 or 4.3-something. <laughs> God know? damn. But um, just leading up to all the stuff that transpired, I made it. I done saw all that. Yeah. I, done, I was the superstitious one. He's not. Right. Let's celebrate because I feel like the way he's getting in the door, mm-hmm. It was kind of like he worked so hard to get this opportunity. Right. We know at least he's going between those first three rounds. You know what I mean? So let's have a party for him. Was he late first round? Second round. Second second round, round. early early second round? Yeah, early second round. I remember. So the atmosphere was a lot different. Me, man, I didn't want much. I I wanted to be in my mom's home. Yeah. I wanted to be around the folks that I grew up with, you know, my immediate family and my manager at the time and my agent. He wanted the same thing. It was just bigger. Just bigger. Because yeah. now you had a brother that already had made sure, it. You had a brother sure. that just had a Pro Bowl. Right. That, you know, it's a party, man. It was a hey, different, I just yeah. had one of my best seasons in right. the NFL, and yeah. now my younger brother finna come in right. and be a part it of it. It was a different vibe. Man, it's a blessing for my mom to put out both of our behind for to, sure. to see this day. So it was basically a party because of what I had previous that year. Now, now he's, he's coming next. to be a part of it. So um, that's why things went the way it went. What would have happened? Just bear with me. And then we're done. I, I could talk this all day. Yeah. I'm sorry to keep you this long. But Tana, what would have happened if Nori came to the Redskins? He had an <gasps> opportunity to. You know, honestly, you know, after his years went thin with the Giants, yeah. I remember it was a Thursday. Dan Snyder came and called me in there and said, hey, we bring, your, we bring your brother in and look at him. He looked at me like, make it happen. You know me, I'm like, that's little bruh. Thursday, we always go to Hooters. Down in Chantilly, all the guys. Shout know, outs to Hooters. No doubt. And you know what? I'm coming to get my card. I heard I have it in there, so I will come in there and I will eat What some. you mean, like an unlimited? Yeah, I get a card, man, where I take care of the waitresses and, you know, everything is on them. So I appreciate that too, Hooters. Hold hey, on you know a second. What? I got to get my man Travis one, so I'm letting you yeah. guys know now. Let's table your thought. <laughs> I would like to let Hooters and Chantilly know that Tana will be coming to get that card and I will be with him. <laughs> no Go doubt. on. No doubt. So normally every Thursday after practice, that's our last day. We kind of weigh in on Thursday. So that's the day when every guy that starved himself through the week to make weigh-ins, <laughs> we know we're going to celebrate at Hooters after practice because Friday practice is basically just getting yourself ready for the walkthrough on Saturday. So Nori was coming in to be interviewed with the team, and that's not one of them. Because he like, at the end of the day, Tanner, this is, what, 2009-ish? Mm-hmm. I'm saying to myself, Nori, what better place could you come? Ooh. You know I mean? You come here and be second <laughs> to me. I don't know how many more years I got, but when I'm done, you take over. Oh, know? my God. You know, bro. you take over. And Nori came in. He sat in. He interviewed well. And the team told me before we went to Hooters, you know, I picked him up from the hotel. Anyway, long story short, and one of my favorite fans always tell me <laughs> that I say long story short way after I done told the story too long. That was on that shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to keep saying it. And I say, oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> Oh, my God. We love our fans. Yeah, but um, brought Nori in and said, how do you feel? Nori like, you know, everything went well. But I can tell you, but I'm just knowing my brother. Yeah. He didn't want to come be behind me again. You, you know think? Right? I knew. He was tired I of your I knew. living in your he shadow. Tired of my mess. Sick of your shit. For some odd reason, Nori is the guy. He wants to be Sonoris. But he's and, so different from you, yeah. though. And that's one of the reasons why I knew it wasn't going to pan out the way he wanted. And then I think, too, also, 
It wasn't only because of that. I think at the time, the Eagles had kind of bargained with him and gave him a little more and said, hey, we would love to have you, right. and we'll give you a little more stipend than what they was trying to give you. So yeah. it wasn't only because he didn't want to be behind me. It was just that when you're at that stage of your career where a team is bargaining for you, business, you want to make sure the business side of it is handled well. And I think he was trying to be the best business-minded when it came to it. I would have liked it because, you know, you got double trouble. You know, you got a guy. Oh, my God. I, I could just see that. The things that I did for our careers, yeah, I never talked about it. He don't know about it. But I saw that day before. I saw that day way before we even became pros. Guys in my neighborhood in Myrtle Grove, I'm pretty sure the guys that follow the show, they always said, man, y'all guys come so long, man, because I remember the times that – you would be at that park and you got your two-year brothers yep. and you like, let's go play ball. Yep. And guys want your little brothers. And you be like, you know what, take Nori because he don't want to be on my team anyway. I got little Lloyd. Because right. I know Lloyd was the younger brother, right. but I've groomed him to be the dominant brother. Right, right. You know, Lloyd was a beast as a defensive player because my mind was defensively. I was a defensive mind playing receiver. So you would sick Lloyd on him. I would sick Lloyd on Nori because I knew at the end of the day what I do in the house, Lloyd go at Nori every day. Mm-hmm. I'm grooming these guys to be better than me, tougher mm-hmm. than me, you know? So I would have loved to have my brother be a part of my team because I know if anybody I could look in the eyes amongst or along with those UM guys, and he's a UM guy, Man. I know they had the same thought process. I know we was thinking and feeling the same way. And just think, my brother, just think about the things that I probably set up for him, just knowing, like, hey, coach, put us on the field Ooh, together. Oh, Lord. Know, you know, what could have been? So yeah. I hate the opportunity didn't happen, but, man, if we can probably relive that, I think if he even think about it that way, he probably would have won a part of it. And just knowing the way Dan Snyder treated guys like him, you know, guys that's going to go out and bust his behind for him, and that's what people fail to realize. You have a guy like Snyder, he's going to roll the red carpet out to you because at the end of the day he wants to win. Yes, when it comes down to these years and what happens with the team and we're not yeah. being on the winning side that often, it's a no-brainer why a guy like Cooley's still around. It's no-brainer yeah. why a guy like Porters and Portis. myself and yep. Smoot yep. and Renoel and those guys come around and be able to be a part of that team still. And even the guys before then because yeah. those were the guys Dan Snyder loved as a fan for sure. and as employees because yep. we was going to put it on the line yep. and go out there and do the most for the team. No doubt. And it was all about the team. Man, nobody better. Ever challenge me to some damn flag football or two-hand touch because I'm telling you right now on the outside I'm getting them <laughs> Moss boys and you are finished and I'm still in shape bro and I know Nori it. is too shout outs to Sonoris I've told this on the show many a times and I know Nori knows it but he won me over first of all he's your brother so yeah. obviously he's family but I swear to God we did a TV show together this <laughs> gentleman and I And I'm not going to say any names, but a prominent member of the media here in D.C. was kind of taking little jabs at Tana, little Mm. shots at Tana. And, you know, Tana, I always say it on this show. He's humble. He Sometimes I talk for Tana. But Nori, who we had via Skype, jumped in and said, wait a minute now. Don't <laughs> you're make not me gonna, take no flight you're up You're there. not going to be talking to my brother like that. Don't make me yeah. take a flight. I said, oh, I love this guy forever. Yeah. So he, shout out to Nori. We got to get him on the show, that's my bro. my boy, man. It's oh, overdue. God. Hey, Nori, man, come on here. Show us love. Hey, I want to thank you, bro, because uh, I fanned out today. I'm not going to tell you no lie. That's why I took us on a different course, because I'm looking at your draft class. I'm seeing all these names of guys I remember watching in college, and it reminded me I know your NFL career, but it just reminded me, like, damn, I watched Tana in college. He was a dog, bro. People just forget. You were an all-timer at University of Miami. That is the creme de la creme for college football. 
I appreciate you giving me this opportunity, man. These are the kind of shows where I'm humbled mm-hmm. to host the show because these stories and these names and the stuff you did, obviously in the NFL, but even at college, man, you are a freaking dog. To this day, I still don't think you get your props. You get props, but not like you should. You are an absolute monster in this football game. I pat myself on the back because I know what I've done. Man, I'm patting the hell out your back. I'm tooting the hell out your horn, dog. Much I love. appreciate it, man. Always. Sorry to take you on that different path for the draft, but I salute you, man. That's no, a perspective you can offer the behind the scenes. No so there you go. Santana Moss Show Podcast Draft Edition, where only you can get it. It's a wrap. It's a Santana Moss Show. Go!